Sled dog. Oh, I see. You're recording. I didn't. I actually. I legitimately did not mean to do that. I don't but I'm not reopening it. So welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. Mike and I were just discussing <laughs> the uh, the roles of the sled dogs yeah, for the, the uh, Iditarod a, team. A sled dog team, which is you have your lead sled dog, right? And then, and that, I guess that would be your alpha if it works like a wolf pack. I think it has to be the alpha. But then you have to imagine you have like your your alternate captain sled dogs that are like. They kind of support the message of that lead sled dog. They kind of keep him, keep him motivated because it's a lot of work for one dog. I don't know. I watched a thing one time about Balto? about sled dogs. I don't remember what it was, but the guy who was riding in the sled like had to get out and fight the dogs because the dogs were fighting with one another for like while they were sledding. Oh yeah, to, to, to prove who was the alpha, he had to like get out and get between them. So. I, I don't know. That's it. Seems like that. That's not really. This podcast has never gotten to the point where Mike had to come fight me Jack on London the microphone. Books. A lot of that stuff. So the other opening that I was thinking of making a joke was the Rangers take a ton of too many men on the ice penalties. Yeah, we only have two men on this podcast. We have the appropriate amount of men on the podcast. That was your best joke. That that was what I had come up with in the three minutes that I was thinking about an opening. We just lost like three patrons because of that no we didn't we definitely didn't we gained them actually because i'm the alpha uh hello ladies and gentlemen today we record on monday uh my sister got married this weekend so my voice is a little sore i apologize uh the rangers play tomorrow or today depending on when you're listening to this on tuesday at 10 30 they're doing their western road trip so i hate the western road trip because i really can't watch the games 10.30 is my bedtime. It's ridiculous. Um, Mike, but we have seen some things. We've actually seen a lot of things. A lot of things. Uh, uh, do we do we want to talk not necessarily on-ice stuff? Do we want to talk about, you know, this speculation about trades and Larry Brooks pretty much saying it's time to speed up the fire sale? Yeah, that's that's something, right? Yeah, the, I, think, I think you should say words on that. Well, yeah, the Kevin Hayes rumors are definitely heating up. Like, uh, the, they are. Like, like I went from on a, on a hobo's hot plate. And they're heating the, up like that. The hobo is just he's he's cooking the can so that it explodes open. Hot beans all over the place. Hot I beans. went from oh Hayes will definitely be back to oh shit Hayes might not be here by Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. There's the Kiprios was talking about that, and then of course the the Brooks article you're, you're referring to is the idea of like might as well start selling now, which. I don't know, don't you get the impression that you stand to gain more in some circumstances at the deadline for rentals? But in the case of, let's say, someone like a Kreider or another guy, like maybe a Spooner or Vlad, who has another year on after this year, so he's more than a rental, I think it matters a little bit less. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, Oh, you're the other way? I'm no 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 I'm not the other way I'm just that if the, if the right deal comes along it doesn't matter when it comes along because ultimately if you wait until the deadline you are risking what happened last year which is that the market dried up and you're just you know trying to get whatever you can when you can for these players in the case of Kreider you know you have another year you could do it over the summer um with Hayes you have to trade him this year if you're going to trade him. And if there's legitimate interest right now, if a team like the Jets is willing to overpay because they've kind of gotten off to a slow start and they think they need something to kind of bolster them right now, then you have to make the move. And if that happens today, or to, I mean, Nemestikov is gaining interest. A, a lot of people have said that they think he's a perfect bottom six option for a team like the Leafs. You know, if those teams come around and they say, hey, we're looking to do something now before a bidding war starts and you get a deal that you think is a really good deal, then you have to take it. I don't think it makes any sense, and I'm not saying you were saying this, but I don't think it makes any sense to wait until the deadline. If you have an offer out there, you take it. I can't believe you disagreed with me. I want to want to fight you in a, in a mud pit, and both of us just have, like, deer antlers wrapped around our fists as weapons. Well, how big are the antlers? Uh, I want to say, like, a spike. Like a so, like, two, two years ago... Deal. I let the dog outside. I have a pair of French doors that lead to a uh, a little patio. <laughs> and l- literally, I'm going to say seven feet from the doors was an enormous buck. I mean, full-on antlers and everything. And Stanley, who was the biggest scaredy cat on the planet, took one look at this deer and flew after this deer. 
and uh, the the buck was enormous. It was probably it had to be like uh, it was enormous. I don't even know. I don't know how big is big for deer, but it just gracefully hopped like two hops out of my backyard into the woods into the night. I know that has nothing to do with what you said, but I hear the word antler and I think about that buck all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, go back. Like go back to your stupid thoughts about the trade deadline. Oh wow, this this podcast is not at all. It's on now. Amicable by any by any stretch. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There is. I think part of me gets greedy at the thought of the deadline, where you want to get as much milk out of that udder as possible, and sometimes that means waiting for the right deal. Um, especially like the Rangers kind of, you know, did what they could to get what, what they could at last year's deadline. But we also saw them, you know, the Grabner trade was kind of kicked off the trades last year, didn't it? So, you know, it's also, I think, something to be said about not letting someone else set the market price and going with what you're comfortable with. And I do believe in that. But I also think that in the case of Someone like Hayes is, I think Hayes is a little bit trickier than some of the other guys on the team, but if, if I have no problems with them listening to offers right now, is like the long and short of it. But in some cases, particularly the Zuccarello case, I've, I kind of feel like I want them to really listen to all the offers because the return for someone like a Zuccarello or a Hayes could be like, gigantic in terms of well should be gigantic i mean it has to be if you're going to trade specifically hayes i mean ultimately you're at the you're at the mercy of the market for zuccarello but i I find it really hard to believe that zuccarello would not absolutely ignite a bidding war with just how much talent that he has and for a playoff team looking to add somebody with a little bit of edge with the ability to put up points with somebody who's going to make your power play more dangerous i mean there's a million things that zuccarello does really well i would be shocked if he was not somebody that got a ton of interest leading up to the the deadline hayes is a little bit of a different story because i think a lot of teams look at hayes as more of a long-term investment uh, i know i mentioned winnipeg as a team they were just one of the teams that was rumored in these hayes deals but does Winnipeg really think that they have a shot at Hayes? Hayes is the type of guy that you make a go for if you think you're going to be able to sign him. Uh, Boston is always the logical next step just because he's from there, but I don't know if their cap situation sort of makes that possible. I just Calgary or yeah, yeah, and I mean maybe he wants to play with Gaudreau. I don't, I, I don't know where the Hayes stuff begins and ends, but I do know that if I'm the Winnipeg Jets or another team that is definitely a contender, they're going to be a contender, they're in the bloodbath of a conference, whatever it is, there's no reason why Kevin Hayes should not be on my list of people to go after. And if you think you can sign him, great. If the Rangers can facilitate a sign and trade, even better, because then you're getting more back for him. But the reality of the situation is if the Rangers sit down and they think that they have an offer that they like, call it a first round pick and a prospect or maybe a a higher end prospect and a second round pick at this stage in the game right now with where the Rangers are going with how this season looks like it's going to be with the logjam at center with Leas Anderson not even up in the logjam at center I don't see how you don't trade Kevin Hayes neither do I and just so we're clear Joe an adult white-tailed deer is typically about 2.6 to 3.3 feet tall at the shoulder just for just for our listeners who are curious about deer height, what what kind of weight are we talking about on a on a buck? Most apparently most are in the hundred hundo, a, a clean hundo. Sometimes, See, I was going to say this buck had to be at least two fifty, but that's obviously See, enormous. Sometimes they get up to two seventy five. So maybe no, it's all like a, a mythical deer. It was I it, it. the the deer really. So my dog is a hundred pounds, a little bit less. He's like ninety pounds now. This buck was three times the size of him. Easy. But then again, Stanley's very dense. He's a dense dog. Just just strength and nice. muscles. Don't say that. So, Stanley. I didn't say he was fat. I said it was dense, muscular. You said he was dense. That's not nice. He's dense. He's thick. Okay. Remember how Zuccarello was thick or Spooner was thick? Stanley's yeah. thick. Um, Two C's. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not sure when it's going to begin, but look, the Rangers are 
the ideology that they were going to be a team that kind of propelled into the playoffs because of Lundqvist and, oh, the Rangers aren't going to be bad. I, I think you've oh sort of complete that. and listen, I've been looking at Twitter after some of these games and people are legitimately having freakouts that this team, like, oh, wow, this team may not make the playoffs. Like, yeah, you think they may not make the playoffs? They're not going to make the playoffs. The Rangers have three wins in 11 games. They're not, you could start the sell-off, you could have started it yesterday if you really wanted to. There's no, absolutely no reason to assume that this is going to be a playoff team. And uh, the people who came to the conclusion that that was going to be the case have certainly taken this first month better than the people who really thought that something good was going to come out of this group. And the Rangers could get hot, I guess. But they are the 30th out of 31 teams in the NHL. They have yes. seven points in 11 games. It's not good. They could get hot. So, yeah, Even sell. I don't care. Do it. Do what you started. want. Even before this. I mean, started. if the Rangers are... So- if, if Let me ask you this question, Mike, since I'm just interrupting you at will. If you are the New York Rangers, you're Jeff Gordon right now. You have a suitable offer for Hayes on the table. You take it. Next month, you get a suitable offer for Zuccarello. You take it. Don't you want the Rangers to be as bad as possible at that point? I know people think it's going to impact development and people are going to get used to losing. That's stupidity. If you're going out there playing to win, it's not the same thing as intentionally going out there to lose. But you have a guy like Jack Hughes on the board. Um, I'm not even going to try to say the guy, the European's name, the Finnish player who is second in everybody's mind, Kaponen. I'm know. pretty sure. I'm not, I'm well, yeah, you've been you've been completely useless in, in this endeavor. Um, well, you just interrupted y- me y- if I did try. Right, you know what? Maybe I would, but I let you say that. Yeah, it's Capo Caco, Capo Caco, um, cacao maybe. Well, regardless, there's a lot of K's and a lot of A's. Um, just what does it matter? You're you're not going to make the playoffs anyway. You may as well take a shot at one of those players. You have Ke'Andre Miller doing really special things for Wisconsin so far. You have Vitaly Kravstov, who very well may be with the Rangers. Traxter, they could fold tomorrow. That's how bad they are. But that season is definitely, they're not going to the playoffs. So unless Kravstov gets traded to a team that is in the playoffs, you may have him by February. So... I don't think the Rangers have any reason not to move forward with these deals. None. And they're certainly being scouted like a team who's about to start selling off. Yeah, and the other thing is they have some guys in the NHL who it wouldn't hurt them to move up and evaluate at the NHL level. Guys like guys like Lindquist, guys like Meskinen, and of course, you know, Leas. Um, what I was saying before, before you ruined all of our chemistry and really damaged our relationship in a permanent and scarring way was that even before the season began you know some people are asking us like is this is this a playoff team and i feel like you and i both kept reiterating this team is much closer to being a lottery pick team than like a wild card team and i'm not at all surprised by how things have gone if you look at like the last three games since uh our last show when we recorded during the panthers game which was fun like, the Rangers are getting routinely outshot and outchanced. Um, and looking at just in general the way this team is playing, they're just this is nowhere near a playoff team. And you know what? That's fine. But it's really only fine when the front office kind of acknowledges that and embraces it. And that means letting the kids play, uh, figuring out what you can get for the guys who have more value when they're moved, guys like Hayes and Zuccarello and... You know, Nemestikov, Spooner, VC, in many ways, it's a great thing that both Spooner and Vlad finally scored against the Kings because, you know, that it might sound like a little thing, but that should help take some of the stink off of them and make them a little more palatable. There's the some market. stink. Well, it was pretty rough. I mean, they've both been healthy scratches and yeah, a little stinky. I thought there was more to that point. So, yeah, the reality of the situation is the Rangers, like, business is open. 
right now. Like we talked about with Ryan last week, there's absolutely no reason for the Rangers to have any type of idea that they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, if you need to make a decision between Hayes and Zibanejad, at this point, you have to trade Hayes. Zibanejad is a sweetheart contract. He's playing really well. He has no no move or no trade protection, um, at least at least this year. So you keep him, and what then you make think, a decision with him if you have to down the line. What do you think about Tom Tom's take, which is they should be listening Tom Urch Jr., our beloved Tom from uh, Blue Shirt Banner, he he believes like the Rangers have to do their due diligence and listen to offers for Zibanejad. Oh and sure. The, the biggest point to me on that, the one that I like the most, is like Zibanejad's young in the grand scheme of things. He's 25. His contract is so good, and like of all the guys on this team right now, the idea that Zibanejad is definitely young enough to be a part of the solution on the other side of the rebuild is pretty clear. He's young. He's really good. He's on a great contract that's only going to look better. And can you imagine how good this contract might look in three years if he stays healthy with the cap going up? But the other part of that is, does he stay healthy? And his injury history does make him a guy where I wouldn't be devastated if the Rangers thought they could move him and bring in some stuff for. But again, it all comes down to the return. But you're you're generally open to the idea if it's a big haul for Zibinjad as much as we love him. Yeah, I would still there's not a single player on this team outside of maybe the babies. And I mean the real babies, like what we talked about. There's really only two untouchables right now and it's probably Heedle and, and Krovstov and maybe I guess throw Keandre Miller in that pile for right now. Outside of those guys, you need to be taking offers on everyone. And listen, if a team wants to absolutely pony up for Mika Zibanejad today, ponies and then you make a decision on Hayes down the line, so be it. I mean, is it really the worst thing in the world for Howden, Heedle, Anderson to be your top three centers? You're going to get a lot of learning. You're going to get a lot of sucking, but you're going to get a lot of learning. Going to get a lot of learning. A lot of sucking, though. Or maybe you make it. Then maybe you make it. You move Nemestikov there, or Spooner, or you do whatever you have to do. But there's there's definitely options for the New York Rangers to. Like I said, business is open. Trade away. There's absolutely no reason not to. And I don't think anybody should really be off limits. What about uh, Igor Shosturkin? He's for me. He's probably off limits. There's rumbles that the Rangers aren't as high on him as we are, but. Um, yeah, he's off limits to me too because until Georgiev proves himself, he is the heir to the throne. The heir apparent. Is it like the heir say? apparent. The czar, as they say. The cool people at the very like least. That. All right, let's talk about the crappy Rangers. Crappy, crappy oh. Rangers. 3-7-1 in their first 11. They just got shellacked by the LA Kings, who are also very bad, by the way. Um, this was coming off a loss to Chicago. Mike... Chicago. So Quinn did some more things today that I kind of want to talk about. Um, supposedly the, you know, yeah, there's there's things that he does. Supposedly there's new lines that are coming out. Bucinevich, Hedl, and uh, Letary are down on the fourth line. VC continues to have a top nine spot. Uh, I've been a pretty stout defender of Quinn to this point. I think we need to make, uh, we need to figure out what it is Jimmy VC's done that allows him to continue to remain in the top nine in this lineup. I, I talked a lot about how Jimmy VC needs to score to be in that position, and he's just been given role after role, top line minutes the other night. He's getting power play time in bunches, and this is a guy who has a ton, an absolute, like 16 minutes of ice time a game, which in the grand scheme of things isn't that much, but it's more than Howden, it's more than Buchnevich, it's more than Hedl, it's more than Spooner, it's more than Nemestikov. And he has three goals in 11 games. Uh, is this a college? Like, what is this, Mike? I don't really know what this is. You and I talked a bit about this before the show when we were talking about what we wanted to discuss tonight. And VC had such a hot start. Um, he also feels very much like a guy who just kind of would pass what I believe to be Quinn's eye test. You know, he's you can tell he's trying to play physical. He's trying to skate hard. The problem is, like, he's not very quick. He can't generate offense very well. And overall, I have a lot of issues when the Rangers are practicing with both Philip Hedl and Pavel Buchnevich on the fourth line and Jimmy Vesey's on the third line. Like, I... That sort of thing 
Like you could say, oh, you know, you can shelter the kids, but then their other winger is going to be, you know, Letary or McLeod. And so, like, what the hell are those super skilled players going to do in that scenario? And what is VC going to bring to the team in that third line role with, I think it's Fast and Howden he was practicing with. Uh, John Giannone tweeted about that today. I, in many ways, I kind of hope that this problem gets solved for Quinn, that Gorton just moves VC because I feel like that would be the best case scenario here. But another part of me kind of wants Quinn to be able to figure this out and recognize what's more important to the team, not only in the long term, but also in the short term. Like there's no real reason that Jimmy VC should be getting such an abundance of power play time and so much time in the top, the top nine forward group. There's just... The team has a lot of passers, and he's a shooter, and that's a nice thing. But, like, do they need Jimmy Vc in this role? The Like, the short answer is no, even though, you know, there's all these kind of big question marks in the lineup, right, with Vlad and Spooner and, you know, where the hell do you fit Heedle in and, you know, trying to maybe showcase the guys who want to trade but also let the young kids play. I understand that those are kind of like, those don't, those two, you know, objectives don't really mesh well together. But Vc on the whole... Feels like he's getting so much more opportunity and so much more leash than Buchnevich or Hedl, and particularly the former, meaning Buchnevich. It just feels like like a crime to me. It just you're wasting an opportunity to let this kid really feel confident for the first time. And this is what I was worried about before the season began, when we were talking about things we might be worried about with Quinn. And I brought up the Buchnevich point just because you know I cited that. You know, he's had, you know, a, a rocky experience with coaches so far, and I don't know what Quinn's experience is with European players. And thus far, Quinn has played him out of position on the opposite wing, where he hates playing, and he admits that he has trouble defending in that position. And he's given him fourth-line minutes a lot. You and I were just looking at some of the numbers before the show, Joe, and, like, in terms of, like, time on ice for the Rangers at all strengths... Booches for the past three games is averaging like per game just over fifteen minutes a game, and that's and, just, and that's that's almost like his average right now for the season is fourteen thirty nine. So yeah, that's just it's just not it's just not a good use of an asset. Like I don't care, I don't really care what you know your opinion is on some of these other guys, but like I. I really struggle with the idea of you need to play Matsukarello 20 minutes and 31 seconds, you know, and you need to play Booch 15. Like, one of these guys is going to be around next year, and he's going to help save your bacon as a coach, I think. Like, let the kid play. Like, let him figure it out and develop. Let him make mistakes. There's so much more going on here than like, oh, I don't know, he doesn't skate hard in practice, so... I'm going to kind of wake him up, play him out of his position and play him on the fourth line with Co- like Cody McLeod and we'll see what happens. Of well, that's the thing. Work. Is there is there some type of a behind the scenes aspect that we're not really privy to which seems to be, you know, the the first line of defense for the whole oh, you're not a coach nonsense that you get from people when you make a comment about decisions that a coach may or may not be making. And Buchnevich to me, it just doesn't this whole situation feels as though Quinn is trying to teach him something, but no one really knows what it is. And hopefully he knows what it is. Um, the good news is he has a goal and an assist in his last two games. So the offense is starting to come for him. I think that's going to help a lot. I think Hedl, the offense coming he would help him a lot too. He needs a goal desperately. Um, Howden, you know, six points in 11 games. It's just, to your point, is there any reason why Hayes being up there I totally get um, – but, yeah, Zuccarello, I mean, Zabanajad has to play. Zuccarello's really the only guy that I look at um, in the top, like, 15 or so players where I'm like, wow, why is he getting so much time outside of Jimmy Vesey? Who, wh- like, honestly, what's the point? What has Vesey shown that Buchnevich hasn't, or Hedl even, or Howden? Hedl, I think, has been as unlucky as possible. He is, he's played really well. He He's done a lot of really good stuff. He just hasn't put the puck in the back of the net. And he has two assists in 11 games. 
VC has three goals. So where, you know what I mean? Like, where's the line in the sand? And again, this isn't the shit on Jimmy VC hour, but if he's going to be there, he needs to do something. And he hasn't. He gets chances. Sure, he's always gotten chances. He hasn't finished. And that's the problem. And that's always been the problem. So uh, I do think there needs to be a little bit more of some internal soul searching, maybe. Maybe Quinn thinks there's more he can get out of VC because he was a college coach. If so, like now would be the time to do it. And yeah, but VC, why does VC get two and a half minutes on the power play against the Kings? Like that's. But that's that's the other thing that that I really try to make this point a lot. You need to know what what type of a player the player is. Jimmy VC is a quote unquote goal scorer, right? He's going to score fifteen to twenty goals a year. He's not a sniper. VC finishes shit. He finishes loose pucks around the net, tappings in open net, Greece. and and he's not even in front of the net when he's on the power play. He's no. taking that half ward spot where a guy like Buchnevich yeah. or Hedl, who can actually feed the would puck, make it killing. Yeah, right. That's where they would do their business. So, uh, again, I, I'm I'm very much so in the camp of I think Quinn is just trying to figure stuff out. But the Buchnevich stuff has certainly raised some eyebrows. Tony D'Angelo, let's talk about him. A goal and an assist against the Kings. He has four points in three games. Four Tony primaries. D'Angelo, the guy who could not get into the lineup no matter what for weeks, has four points in three games. Clayson, Shattenkirk, Stolen McQuaid, in combined 33 games, have five points. Are you really telling me that Tony D'Angelo should not be in the lineup? And by the way, just if we're talking about time on ice, the Rangers' leading time on ice getter is Neil Pionk with 22 minutes and 48 seconds, which again, that's the way that it should be if you want to figure out what you have in this kid. Tony D'Angelo in the three games that he's played, 18 minutes and 18 seconds. So Quinn is playing him when he's in the lineup. He didn't get a lot of power play time against the Kings, I think. What'd you say, Mike? Two seconds? Well, yeah. The the thing that drove me up the wall with D'Angelo, especially when we talk about Pionk, is against the Kings. Neil Pionk, Joe, had three minutes and 25 seconds in the power play. Shattenkirk, 57 seconds. Tony D'Angelo, who scored a goal and picked up a primary assist in this game, had two seconds in the power play. But but you know what the flip side of this is? And I was going to bring this up too. Oh, it hurts my head. In crunch time against the Kings, you know who was on the ice late? D'Angelo and Buchnevich. So it's very clear that Quinn is trying to give them, you know, feed them those minutes. And, and he thinks he can get stuff out of them. And in the case of D'Angelo, he got an assist on the Spooner goal that tied the game. So I, I th- that's one of the things that like when when Vigneault was not playing guys or they were in the lineup and they were getting four or five minutes or whatever, they were not getting those crunch time minutes. The veterans were. Quinn is at least giving them to the kids. So I, I'm look, I, it's going to take me a really long time to move into the well, wait a minute, something's very wrong, Camp. I think there's certainly things you can be concerned about with Quinn, but I also think that we're 11 games into a season. We're a month into the season. Quinn is trying very hard to figure out what he has. you got to take a step back and let him do his work. But that said, Tony D'Angelo, Mike, he needs to be in the lineup. No, especially now, right? McQuaid and Clayson are hurt, and... Like I'm, I'm not trying to be just like a, an unbridled cynic, but I don't think D'Angelo would have found his way back to the lineup if not for the McQuaid. Oh, I I one thousand percent agree with you. I really don't. And what happens when he finally gets back in, Joe, with two seconds of power play time, goal, and I know it was a fluky goal, but he got it on net, which is something this defense hasn't been doing very well thus far. He gets the goal and a primary assist on a huge goal to tie the game, and. You know, all all D'Angelo warts and all, all of his problems off the ice, which are we've you know we've covered it over and over again. Like, yeah, we know what he is. The other thing is he can play hockey. He's a valuable hockey player because of his skill set. And every time he's been on the ice this season, without fail, he's proven it. And he was, you know, he was exceptionally good against the Kings. And that was a game the Rangers got crushed in terms of getting outshot and outchance. Like. I forget off the... I'm going to check. Yeah, it was 40 to 25 in terms of shots. And I... Another thing that's... I don't know. I, I was thinking if we were going to bring this up, Joe, but I think we should. Especially because that second period... Oh, look at who's just taking control of the podcast now. Well, when you don't interrupt me, I have things to say. And um, you, you just take over. So, 
we hear so much about accountability from from Quinn, right? All the time, accountability, relentlessness, all those fun words that you put on like T-shirts that you have at like a business luncheons when you try and build team chemistry and you make people walk on fire or do that trust fall or whatever the hell you do. Anyway, uh, five bench miners for too many men on the ice. I think it's six. It might be six, but the other thing is it was two in the preseason as well. So we've seen over half a dozen in the preseason plus the 11 games we've seen now. The Rangers have the most bench miners in the league as of this recording. Accountability, Joe. Joe. Uh, But what's the argument that you're making on this? I don't know. Maybe I know that apparently, uh, you know, Colin Stevenson was saying that the Rangers are working on line changes. Yeah. At practice today, but I guess that's one way of accountability, but I'd like to see him just kind of say, you know what, some of this shit's on me. Uh, but you know what, I, I, he kind of has, has he not? I, yeah, but I'd, I'd like it to be more vocal and a little more on, like, on Main Street when we have all these other issues and we're trying to figure him out a little bit. Like, I feel like the, the more we hear, just like, listen, I'm figuring stuff out. And like, you know, I loved the comment he made. You know, what was it last week or maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago with just like, I have to do better about getting Philip Hedel ice time. Like that was an encouraging thing to hear him say. And you and I both liked hearing it. But here we are with Hedel practicing on the fourth line. Like I'd like, it's nice for him to say these things, but also I'd also like to see him kind of develop and figure stuff out and find solutions outside of just the most obvious and frustrating things that honestly... I, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but a lot of these things remind me in many ways, in a negative way, of the things that got Elaine Vigneault turned into such a scapegoat. And kind don't of you say it, now. you son of a bitch. Don't you I, say it. But just, I don't know, Joe, just look look at the pattern thus far. Well, there. so the, the one difference is that Quinn is not relying on veterans, right, outside of Stolen McQuaid, and even in that regard... Um, what veterans does he have to rely on? He's giving, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? He's like that's Matsuccarello all the ice time in the world, and the Rangers don't have a lot. He's still playing Mark Stahl as a shutdown defenseman. Yeah, Stahl's on the first pair. He's not leaning on his. Veterans. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not How leaning on veterans. How many starts has Henrik Lundqvist had? What'd you say? How many starts has Henrik Lundqvist had so far? Well, are we saying that some of that isn't by design? It shouldn't be about his... Well, I don't disagree with you, but or how much of that is on... I'm going to take I, you in the mud pit with did, the antlers. Did, the did, we not, did we not get a quote from Brooks, I believe, that said that Lundquist was, you know, requesting starts? I thought we had a quote from Brooks that, like, Quinn wanted to back... Did, like, I don't care what Lundquist is requesting. Yeah, but, like, by the and same token... Coach, you shouldn't give a shit either. You should be like, listen, I understand, Hank. We'd like you to last... For a couple more years, if it's possible, we also have this kid from, you know, Russia slash what is it, Belarus that we need to figure out with. It's with, racist. First of all, it's not racist if it's true. You have to figure him out and figure out what you have with Georgiev. Like you have to kind of set the tone and make this team your own instead of just this. I don't know. Let's let's slap this together. Let's see what this works. Oh, what a surprise! The well, the the, the one again, the, or the the kids from Europe again. It's Hedl again. It's Buchnevich. I will agree with you that it, it does seem like Quinn is a little bit more panicked about these losses than he should be. Because ultimately, who cares? Like, everybody had to know that this matter. was going to be the case. But I want them to lose the right way. I want them to lose with the kids in a featured role figuring it out. And or you're taking these guys who are your trade assets and letting them play significant minutes enough to showcase them. But I don't think that should ever, ever get in the way of figuring out the kids you have now. I mean, here's what I'll tell you, Michael. You ready? We're going to go in the mud pit, you and I. We're not going in the mud pit because the buck ran away and I can't get his antlers. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If we're still having these conversations in December, I'll be inclined to believe you. I'm not making a statement. I'm. I'm oh, you're stating things. I'm just wrapping tinfoil around my head and yelling from the platform that I You're have. You're stating things. These are statements. We have more questions than we've ever had ever. Have you ever eaten venison, Joe? Yes. I don't like it. It's too gamey. Do you like anything gamey? Mm, what does that mean? Like, what is it? I don't like lamb very much because lamb is like slightly gamey, apparently. I like rabbit. Rabbit is sweet, but I don't like eating rabbits because eat they're rabbit. very cute. So I don't, I've only yeah, had it a few I times. I own bunnies. I couldn't eat a bunny because I own bunnies and I like them. 
I had shark once. Alligator. Alligator was kind of gamey. I've had shark. I haven't had alligator. I've had bison. Bison's really good. Good old bison. Um, all right. Is there anything else? What else did we want to talk about? What else did we want to talk about? Let me scroll down. I'm scrolling now and I'm looking. You know what? I think a lot of what we want to talk about is going to be answered in these questions. So let's just get to it. Because that's what happens all the time anyway. Questions. Jeff D. Jeff D. My very important and totally hockey related question is, Mm. what's your favorite Halloween candy? Uh, Favorite candy in general is Snickers. So, of course, on Halloween it is also Snickers. Ooh, Snickers. Also, I'd take a Twix bar. Always Twix good. I mean, if we're talking about chocolate bars, it's Milky Way Twix all the way. Snickers is an abomination compared to Milky Ways and Twix. You shut your fucking mouth. Like, Snickers are the tanner glass of candy bars. Like, they're good, and I'm sure they're nice guys, but... I'm going to hide some glass. Not not with the pros. It's just... I don't know. What, like, it's good. It's fine. But I have an enormous bag of candy here for the trick-or-treaters and it has Snickers and Twix and Milky Ways and M&Ms in it. And I've been kind of snacking. And every time that I pick a, a Snickers bar up, I throw it back into the bag. I'll just, just send them to me, you selfish son of a bitch. Well, I, no, I have to give them to the children, Michael. I was a children once. You were a children once, but you're not a children now. When you were a kid, you were writing weird notes onto the construction site that people now have in their houses. Listen... I can either confirm nor deny these a- these allegations. Do you, do you do candy corn? No, I hate candy corn. Yeah, candy corn is the abomination. Candy corn is the absolute worst. Um, Brett McGinnis, what do you see as a hypothetical trade involving Zibanejad? That one is tough because I've been thinking a lot about it since Tom's article. And really, you have to ask, like, what, what would you be happy with? And I feel like the answer would be you'd have to find a team that has either just an absolutely coveted scoring wing prospect because that's what this team really needs is to find young scoring wingers because trading Zibanejad for a younger center and kind of duplicating the Broussard for Zibanejad trade doesn't make a lot of sense because of all the centers the Rangers have, right? It's a little counterintuitive because of the prospects that are here now. I wouldn't hate it depending on the guy who comes back, but I would look at, all right, well, how many teams out there would love to have as a Banajad have the cap room because he's obviously not a rental. The other thing is this is the last season before he has a no movement clause kick in. So the clock would be ticking on any deal, which means we're looking at guys or teams that would be interested right now. And then you also have to wonder, you have to get more than just the prospect back, especially because his contract is so good and it is in and of itself an asset, right? So I'd want, at least a first and a great scoring wing prospect and to start from there. And I'm not sure how many teams would kind of fit that mold, but that's what I would be looking at to answer your question. It would have to be an enormous, I mean, an enormous package. Pretty big. You'd have to be talking about like... Henrik Lundqvist size package. Well, you know what? I don't think that's stupid because it really, you... you, I was referring to the size of his manhood, but... His wrench, as Keith Yandel says. Yeah, the wrench. Because you really don't have any other way. You have a guy who is legitimately on one of the best contracts you can have a player like him for. And what are you going to do? You, 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 if you're going to get him, you're going to get him for another three years after this year. Or four years after this year? No, three years. You're getting a, a 50 to 60 point player, a guy who could be more than that even. Um, man, oh, 5. man. 5.35 million for three more years after this year. Yeah, you're getting you're getting a hell of a player. So it, it would need to be something that you legitimately can't walk your away trigger from. trigger man on the power play, a guy who can be your first or second line center. He's a right-handed shot. There's not a lot of those in the league. He's really, really damn good, and he's also proven with the Rangers and with the Senators to some effect that he can play with a lot of different guys and still be really good. He's a pretty special player, and I don't know if I'd want to trade him, but like I said, you yeah, can't not. You can't not entertain offers. You can't not look at what might be there, um, because you owe it to the organization to do that. And it, he would hurt a lot because. You, we kind of know what we have with Zibanejad, right? But I think the fact that he has that injury history makes it more palatable. 
Jamie, so Jamie Bustled, I keep calling him Jamie Bustled, he told me how to correctly say his name, and I forgot, so, Bushold, maybe? Joe, what the hell, you forget? Yeah, I'm sorry. Alfred Hitchcock voice, good evening, gentlemen, and great job as always. I love this guy, he's awesome. My question is, well, what's his name then, Michael? He didn't tell me, I would have remembered, I would have written that in in, in gold letters on my face. On your and then how would you have read it if it was on your face? In the mirror, because I would write it backwards. Because I'm smart. I and you podcast in front of the mirror. You don't. That's goddamn creepy. I podcast naked in front of the mirror. My question is: If Kreider is moved, <laughs> plus Zuccarello, VC, and Nemestikov, who is left to play wing next year? Well, Kravstov for one. Well, let's go down the list. You still have sweet little Jesper Fast. You have. Uh, Jimmy VC, if he's still around. No, VC was one of the people who was oh. trading Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. You got Booch. You got you got all the kids. You got Meskinen. You got uh, Lundquist or Lindquist rather. Um, also Kravstov, as you mentioned. Also, you have some guys I think that you could also give a shaker a look at in terms of what do you have in someone like you know Tim Gettinger and you know why the hell not? Because again. This year, I think these first eleven games has taught us, have taught us like, yeah, this team's not going to be good. They're rebuilding. I got news for everyone: it's going to be like this next year too. That's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, it might not be as bad, but it's going to be like this. It might not be as bad, but also you know, there's Bolesky. There's guys you can have as your plug-in guys. You can sign your your veteran guy, or I don't know, maybe you could do something crazy like sign Anthony Duclair when he was an unrestricted free agent and he signed for 650k in Columbus. And instead, the Rangers signed fucking Cody McLeod for 750k. I don't know. I'm sure you could find some people. Is my point. I'm getting myself upset. Yeah, well, Mike is getting upset. He's he's getting mad. Josh Zarkin doesn't setting a different lineup every game become detriment to learning and development. Josh, we're not coaches. Uh, we're just young men who don't like candy corn. Joe has brought a life into this world. I don't know where he thought he had that sort of privilege or right. It's clearly been his undoing. He's eating candy to comfort himself as the Rangers lose. But I would say that I would imagine it would be, especially when you kind of move the kids around in the lineup and you you don't really let them click and get comfortable playing with guys who, you know, they like playing with. For instance, the, you know, the KZB line. I think that might help Booch look better. Just a crazy idea, but... I mean, heading into the season, that was kind of the de facto first line for the Rangers. When was the last time we saw that shit? Go ahead, Joe. I was just waiting to see when that rant was going to end. Um, you know what, Josh? I'm not totally sure. I, I, again, I think a lot of Quinn's immediate just knee-jerk reactions in this regard, if that's even the right way to, to put it, is that he's trying to figure things out. Like I said to Mike before, um, if these things are still happening in December, I think it's a bigger issue. So I don't know. Hockey is hockey, ultimately. If the system is the same, like, yes, in a perfect world, you'd want these guys to get chemistry with one another. But again, for what? What does it matter if the Rangers aren't going to the playoffs? He may as well just experiment. Michael Murphy. Oh. Is Wizardy still alive? Well, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? I I wish I could say, but he's been in uh, Joe's custody. Joe? He is still alive. I just fed him this morning, actually. There's no way that thing is real. It's 100% real. I'm visiting you. this. I'm going to visit you for like a... For Christmas Eve, and I'm going to see if Wizardy is real. That, that's totally fine. You can come to the house on Christmas Eve and see Wizardy. Does Britt want me there? I don't think she wants me there. Well, Wizardy doesn't want you here. I can tell you that right now. Oh, what the hell? Um, Mika, hockey stat miner. If you had to fight waves of third graders with an occasional fifth grade boss, how many waves could you survive, assuming all parties are unarmed? Well, there's a couple. How many third graders are in a wave? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I looked, I checked before the show, Joe. A third grader is between eight and nine years old. So these are prebubescent kids. So all day. But, so I've heard this question before. Are you murdering the children or just like knocking them unconscious? I think you're just like in Street Fighter when you KO someone. Like you just have to, you know, get them, knock them out of commission, right? And the other thing to remember is they're eight or nine years old. They're not, they're not thinkers, you know, they're not, they're not bright. Um, 
They're, they might even be, they're just beyond the Velcro stage of shoes. So what possible tactics could they have when it comes to combat? And I know the kids today are playing the Minecraft and the, I can think of another video game name, uh, the Mario. Party. Red Dead Redemption. I'm not sure eight-year-olds are playing Red Dead Redemption. Well, some of them are. I can promise you that. There's like, there's sex and horses in those games. <laughs> I don't know why horses, why well, horses cowboys. would. Well, yeah, but like if you're an eighth, you, like you don't know about horses when you're eight years old. You don't know about sex, like riding a horse to a brothel. But who said the horse had to go to the brothel? It's it's the it's the cowboy era. That's all you ever did. In Maybe era. the horse is being ridden to a bank so that you can fucking shoot some guy in the throat and steal to money. Get money so you can afford uh, hooker. a hooker. Okay, fine, fine. Um, the short answer is we kind of need to know how much is in a wave. So I'm going to go ahead and say there'd be. 15 in a wave. You know what? Let's do it by class size, Joe. Like 20 kids in a wave. And then one fifth grader? I'm not worried about the fifth grader. (laughs) Neither am I. I would get tired, I think, after, in a realistic world, I would also be really upset when it was happening because I don't (laughs) want to hurt anyone. So I would say I'd last like two waves and I'd be like, just let me die. But these kids are coming at you, Mike. I know they're coming at me, but even still, like, you know they're going to cry when you hit them. That's the darkest thing I've ever said. Yeah, I, don't I guess feel good about I that. guess three or four waves. I would think before yeah. I just get tired. Guilt would conquer me before the children. Mm, that's a pretty easy way of saying that you could just murder an untold amount of third graders. I could pick up one of the kids and use them as a bludgeon, like as a, as a like just like a cudgel to just ruin the rest of them. But again. Who would I be by the end of that experience, Mika? So I'm ashamed of you for asking us this question. How's that grab you? Mm, Michael Murphy again. Which horror movie bad guy do you think you'd have the least amount of trouble killing in a one-on-one duel? You have to answer this one first. Do I get to fight the bad guy knowing the information that I know now? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I want this to be. So you go in knowing like his M.O., uh, his preferred like tactics and methods and all that. Then fucking Dracula. I'm just going to put garlic on, just eat a shitload of garlic bread, and just have a cross. And I'm going to light that motherfucker up. All right. Like, it would actually be a pleasant evening that I would just be cooking garlic bread as I walk through an ancient castle, (laughs) knowing that nothing could touch me. You'd just be having, like, Italian takeout? Yeah, exactly. Like, I would just order from... Yep, Franco Gianni's. It's a great place out here. Just fucking this order a nice, from there. Uh, tapestry you got here. What, are yeah. you, what is this here? I'm Italian anyway, so, oh, hey, uh, look at you. Uh, you thing. want some of this garlic bread? Got a little meatball on it? That's a pretty good answer. So Mika actually answered this question as well. He said the Exorcism, or the Exorcist franchise, he would put holy water in a 90s era super soaker, and that motherfucker is going to feel the burn like a Bernie Sanders campaign. Yo. Wow. Tom Ertz Jr. also answered the question. He oh. said, how old is Michael Myers now? Couldn't you just set up some treats in Lazy Boy to subdue him? Yeah, I recently watched uh, Halloween in the theaters. Like it's the, uh, It got rid of all, everything that happened between the first Halloween movie and the most recent one. And I was genuinely horrified by like, oh, he's, he's borderline indestructible, right? But the other thing is, he never runs. And he only really wants to use his knife. So, in my head, I'm like, all right, medieval suit of armor. And or I just keep up a light jog and I just bring a chainsaw or, you know, something where I can quickly dispatch him like a shotgun or, you know, a deer antler strapped around my fist. Well, I just, I, I, the mud pit. I love how today, mm-hmm. in today's day and age... You're not picking, like, combat armor. You're picking medieval armor, which is literally the clunkiest, slowest armor you could possibly select. How much combat I, armor is tested for puncture wounds? But, but Mike, you're, you're, you're making it necessary by picking a shotgun. Take a fucking sniper rifle. No, and just because, go into the woods and wait. No, because he's sneaky. That's what he does. It's, only, it's always going to be close to mid-range combat. There's no way, like, he's going to come at night. What good is your sniper rifle then? You don't think, Joe. You don't think before you talk. You're just, you know what? You're you're an idiot. That's what you are. <laughs> That's all I have to say to that. Johnny Alow. Maybe it from, our, or no, Pennywise no. from it, because you just have to be not afraid of him. And then you just say, I'm not afraid of you. 
And then he goes away and he cries. Yeah, I guess that's also true. Also, just stay away from sewers. I do that anyway. What the hell was that kid thinking? Yeah, who would ever go into a sewer? That's one more reason why we could devastate multiple waves of, of third graders. Just tell them to go into the sewer? Yeah, they just like, oh, my boat fell down the sewer. There's a clown, clearly d- demonically possessed. <laughs> like, there's no reason to go there. He Don't trust him. That's how you get your arm. <laughs> why, why would you ever trust a demonic clown? Bad. Bad news, bad policy. I don't like it. Johnny Lowe, if the Rangers are lucky enough to get a top two pick and they end up with Hughes, what do you think will happen with their current depth situation? How do you think the centers would align? Johnny, I don't often do this. We can't answer this question. Ooh. Because we don't... I If, like, if they trade Hayes and Zibanejad and spooner and it like you know what i mean there's too many variables let's just put it this way if the rangers do get hughes he's on the team next year he may be their first line center next year it doesn't really matter what happens because you got hughes yeah you got hughes it doesn't matter yeah you you do whatever you have to do. johnny Lowe has another question which i'm not going to answer what the fuck joe what is your top three to five favorite artists slash musicians i will answer this one but you're all going to make fun of me oh i'm not gonna make fun of you keith urban Rascal Flats, James Taylor. I respect the James Taylor pick quite a bit. I love James Taylor. I grew up on James Taylor. Eminem. I like Eminem. Sure, James Taylor, Eminem. It's a nice little contrast. Like venison and candy corn. Ooh, that was a good comparison. So go ahead, Mike. What is your... I hate these questions because I'm not a big music guy, but I went to a Keith Urban concert a few months ago, and it was like transcendent it was that good oh that's, that's the really man good. is a showman and he touched my hand <gasps> did he reach up for him and he, and he leaned down and touched no him? he like passed us he was doing like a thing in the crowd and but you reached for him he had the rough hands of a guitar player you reached for him i know you did shut your face i've seen you i've seen how you act around people and i knew you reached up for him with your eyes full of wonderment do you have an answer to the question michael you're just keith keith and he reached up and he, and he touched you and you just looked at your hand after I melted, melted after and, it happened. And your wife is like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, you can never touch this hand. Anyway, my answer is uh, Elliot Smith. It was really important to me for the better part of my life. He's a brilliant and also kind of tortured uh, singer-songwriter. Um, Teenage Fan Club is a band that I grew up with. Uh, my brothers were obsessed with. My brother Sean. Uh, my brother Connor and I and my brother Kevin also all love Teenage Fan Club. It's like, it's right up my alley in terms of when I try and people are like, what sort of music do you like? I tell them, listen to Teenage Fan Club. And my third pick to round it out, I'll say Ben Gibbard from uh, Death Cab for Cutie. And also, I really like his individual stuff. There's my three. Okay, I'll allow it. Also, James Taylor, really good. I love James, I, I Taylor. Love James Taylor. I really do. Um, this is a good question. Sean, I was watching some highlights from the 2011-2017 group. So we're talking about seven years, basically, of Rangers hockey. If you could have been at only one game during that span, which would it have been? What was the span? 2011 to 2017. Oh, wow. I'll go first. Okay. I have three options. I was at all of them, luckily enough. Um Game six, when they went to the Stanley Cup. I'm going to give it to you in order of games that I would have wanted to be at. Um, Game six against Montreal when they went to the Stanley Cup. Game five, or no, I'm sorry, game four against Montreal when St. Louis won it in overtime. And this one may surprise you. Game seven against Washington in 2015. I know it was only in the second round, but... It was the it's the only game seven overtime winner I've ever been to or even seen, I think, for the Rangers. And like I don't have the ability to articulate what that moment was like when it happened. There's such a finality to an overtime playoff goal in general, but on a game seven, it was I've never heard the garden like that before. So that's that's my that's my line. You know what game would have been cool to be at that I was not at that year in two thousand well, in two thousand fourteen. I was not at the game where St. Louis scored on Mother's Day after his mother passed away. Oh man! I was not at that game. That was heavy. 
I would pick that one or um, maybe the last time we had Stephen McDonald with us to present the Stephen McDonald Award. Oh, you're deep. Well, that's I'm a, I like I am not ashamed to say that I get emotional every goddamn time when they do that, and I I look at that as like that's one of the best traditions and like parts of Rangers culture. There, like nothing really tops the extra effort award and what it means to the franchise and what it means to the players and everything. And so, yeah, that one would be up there. Also, the St. Louis Mother's Day goal. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This next question comes from Shayna. Which one of you loves me more? So Shayna's asking which one of us loves her more. Me. It's me. Um, Tom... Ertz Jr. Oh, Tom! Is Joe going to give us candy for Halloween? He got that free Hershey's candy that one time and didn't share, so... You know what, Tom? If you fucking come to my door dressed up, you can have candy. That's not fair to Tom. Well, how am I supposed to get it to him? You ever heard of the mail? No, if there was some type of a service, a parcel service, where you could just put things into a box and, and somebody else would take it and send it to a predetermined address across the country. You'd maybe have to pay a certain amount of money for how much the package weighs. You'd have to use some type of a special currency. We would call it something like stamps. Then maybe it would be possible. But since nothing exists of the sort, no, you're not getting candy. Do you know who the first postmaster general in the United States history was? Who? Benjamin Franklin. Next question. Monica, which Rangers do you think actually know how to change a tire without calling for help? This question triggers me because this weekend, I got a fucking flat tire on the way to the wedding and was stuck for five hours. You didn't know how to do it? I do know how to change a tire. The problem was the tire was on the driver's side. It was the driver's uh, rear tire. And I was on basically a three-lane road. So it wasn't a highway. Mm. But I pulled over to the right, and I would have died. I pulled over like on the yeah. shoulder, and my the like I would have had to be in the other lane to change the tire, why and I would have died. Why didn't you pull over more into the grass? Because there was no. It was it was like a road in Long Island City. I was on the curb. Ah. Uh. So who? Who could change a tire with it? Well, let's do it this way. Who couldn't change a tire? VC's like 12, so there's no way he could change a tire, right? No way, Heedle. No way, no way. No, Heedle can't. Buchnevich, I can't imagine he can change a tire. I would imagine that Tony D'Angelo probably could. Yes, 100%. Uh, Stahl definitely could. He's a farm boy. Yeah, he's a farm boy. He's doing a lot of that. Sod farm. He could definitely. Lundquist? I don't know if Lundquist would. He may know how to. He'd be like, I'll just buy a new car. Yeah, I'm not ruining. Suit. Yeah, I'm not ruining my suit. suit. Um, trying to think of among the forward group, the guys who've been around for a bit. Could fast I, change a tire? I was just gonna say, Jesper has the work ethic, but does he have the no, the, no, the wherewithal? The wherewithal. Oh, that's a good word, Joe. No, I don't think he does. Hmm. Do the Swedes even make cars? I don't think so. And Kreider runs everywhere he goes because he's so fast. So he definitely. Last question. It's from Dave from Blue Sea Blogs. Oh, Dave. When going through a revolving door, does the women does the woman go first for chivalry? Or does the guy go first so that moving the door is comparable to holding the door? I think your question is based on gender roles and therefore it's outdated. Get your act together, Dave. I would tell you that in the event of a revolving door, it kind of doesn't matter. Because even if you go second, you're still pushing the door. The revolving door only works if everybody's pushing it forward. So actually, if you were planning on, quote-unquote, holding the revolving door for somebody, you would want to go behind them to push it for them. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. I would assume you go behind them. I gave the correct answer. Are there any more questions? You go from behind. Um, Yes, there is another question. Joe Newman. 
Not a Rangers question, but what's your opinion on the post-game celebrations going on in Carolina? Nothing wrong with it. Let players have fun. It's fun. It's a small market team. They're trying to do something for their fans. It hurts no one. I know that Tortorella was being like, ah, everyone's the best friends holding hands bullshit. Bop, bop, bop. I don't care. Let people have fun. This is how traditions get started. What do you think people were saying the first time a goddamn octopus got thrown on the ice? And now it's like one of the best things ever. Don't let let stuff be fun. What happened to you in the past 15 minutes? I went through puberty again. You are fired up right now. Fired up. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm I don't, tired I don't, of this stuff, though. I really don't like the oh, PK Subban. Bop it up, bop yeah, it like hockey needs seriously. to be fun. Hockey needs something to make it fun. Honestly, go fuck yourself. Like, let players have fun. We're we're not talking to you, John Newman. No, he was not telling you to go fuck yourself. No, I didn't. No, I'm just talking to talking heads like Mike Milbury and like guys like Tortorella, guys who kind of. Or in that the the spearhead of that old time hockey tradition respect each other, and they come from an era of like you know send your goon out there to beat the shit out of some some kid who threw a hit at a veteran because he doesn't know better and that somehow is respect like no, let people have fun, let fans get engaged, let like Justin Williams is an older guy and he's leading all this stuff in Carolina. Do you know why? Because it's fun, Joe. It's fun to have nice things. Let people have fun. Okay, Mike is uh, fired up. Patreon was down, but it's back up now. Chuck Spadina, with a lot of talk of the young defensemen on the team being high upside offensive guys and not great on the defensive side, I was wondering, is there somebody in the system who is either more balanced on both sides of the puck or someone who projects to be a shutdown defender? I think Libor is closer to being the two-way guy than a truly offensive guy. 100%. From everything we know. And I know that you know we, we joke a lot about Ryan Lindgren on the show, Joe. Um, but he Mike's favorite prospect. You son of a bitch! I'm gonna break a beer bottle and cut you with it. Um, Lindgren is not gonna be a shutdown guy. He is, however, gonna be that overtly physical guy. I would like to imagine he has a much much higher ceiling than someone like an Adam McQuaid. Um, but he is super raw. Uh, I as in regards to everyone else, I don't know. I kind of like, I kind of like Lundqvist. Um, you know, the late first pick from this past draft is someone who could really be a valuable, you know, defenseman in his own zone. You know, he also is good at moving the puck. I think he's someone who doesn't, he just doesn't get talked about enough. Um, outside of those guys, I'm not sure. It's kind of tough to say because we are kind of at the start of a, kind of like a new crop of these guys. I would not at all be surprised if Brady Shea ends up being the guy that the Rangers asked to play all the shorthanded and even strength minutes. Because even right now, something we've noticed, Joe, you and I just talking is like Brady Shea is just not getting power play time at all. Um, you know, I wrote about that this past week for the banter and, you know, he's just, he's not getting any opportunities. It's going to Neil Pionk, who ironically enough is playing at even strength with Mark Stahl on this supposed shutdown pair, which is one of the least effective defensive pairs in the league. But to kind of go back to the question, I would really pay close attention to Libor and to Lundqvist, because I think they're going to be the guys who are trending more towards that two-way or shutdown role than someone like Keandre Miller, who we know is still kind of figuring out the defensive position, right? Keandre Miller would have been my... You know what though? He's he's such a like, oh, like he's a, like a dark horse pick. Yeah, he's a two way a two way guy. Um, I think Lindgren is more of the defensive shutdown guy. I don't think you're going to see him in the NHL, um, at least not in a prominent role. I think you're right. Hayek and Lindquist or Lundquist are wow. There's too many of those guys. They yeah, are definitely yeah. those are the guys who can make a difference in terms of. Being that two-way player, I don't. These days, you really don't look for and draft a pure shutdown guy. It's just no. You, you don't need to. You can find those guys in the bargain bin, um, and more often than not, those guys are so like you make the you considered Pionk and D'Angelo one-way players, but one way where you're putting offense on the board is much different. Than trying to keep offense off of it and you know the last enormous you know oh shit this is a shutdown guy was like luke shen or dylan yeah. McElrath, and look at how that worked out 
Yeah, you just those are not the risks you want to take because you're right. You can find those guys. You can you can also. I think it's a lot lot easier to teach a guy who's kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle in terms of what his skill set is and kind of help him figure out being defensively sound than it is to be like, all right, well, here's how you make that stretch pass. Here's how you make the right decision about about moving the puck because a lot of that stuff comes down to just natural abilities like it does take a lot of skill to play the game at at an elite level in the defensive zone don't get me wrong but it's a lot rarer to have those guys who can do the things on the power play and the things with zone exits without being a complete defensive liability which is what makes those offensive defenders we talk about all the time so exceptional with that being said i I'm not too worried about the organization finding those guys because those guys are less and less likely to be impactful and valuable players. Uh, A great example of this, actually, is when we look at, like, Friedrich Clayson. His numbers, in terms of a defensive defenseman, are fantastic. Like, he has great defensive numbers. But we don't talk about him. Uh, I know he got hurt recently. He's out for two more weeks, I think, but... You know, he was an afterthought. He was someone who was super-duper available in free agency. And all the numbers showed that he was a really valuable guy in your own zone. But he was also kind of one-dimensional. He's not all that great in the transition game, not great in the offensive zone. Uh, but again, you can find those guys. It's a lot harder to find the guys who can move the puck. I think that's a good answer. Connor O'Brien, he's asked the question as we were about to finish recording. Said this isn't a question, but hopefully you talk about it. People need to chill on the Nylander stuff. He's a great young player, but not worth our lottery pick. And one of Hedo Croft's or or Igor. And I would agree with that because if the Rangers are going to be really bad this year and we realize that they are, you need to keep that pick. You don't want to do what the Ottawa Senators did and give up the pick to get Matt Duchesne and then... You look so silly. Mike knows. He's also calmed down a bit from his little honorary stage. Alex Garner, Alexander Ricard, Amayo Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Cowa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas. <coughs> Sorry, I told you I was sick. Um, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Tori, uh, Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. Thanks, everybody. You all rock. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween. All Hallows Eve. I'm going to be a whale for Halloween. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs>